Hey, welcome back to Follow Me, the teaching ministry of Wayne Fleet BIC Church. And this is a, a safe place, a place to explore faith, a place to maybe learn about the Bible in a, in a non-threatening way, a place to quietly and privately to kind of stick your big toe back in the water of faith or maybe to explore faith for the first time. And we just... Uh, we just do a, some, a, a teaching ministry here of Jesus' teachings and, and uh, other scriptures to help us to understand what life is about and to understand uh, who God is and to be able to learn uh, how to be able to put faith into action in our lives and to, and to be able to find peace in the teachings and in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we've been in the book of Philippians. This is a book in the New Testament that a guy by the name of Paul, he was called the Apostle Paul, early church leader. He had been a terrorist at one time, literally, uh, like uh, Osama bin Laden uh, kind of terrorist, and came to uh, faith in Christ and uh, represented him uh, all over uh, the known world back then. And the Apostle Paul was a guy who made uh, two or three missionary trips and he began churches and cities and uh, just really um, a church planter is what we'd call, or a missionary is what we would call him. And uh, he, he's in the church of, Philipp, uh, of, of Philippi, sorry, he's in the church at Philippi, um, which is in uh, near modern day Greece today. And his church was full of uh, believers who were uh, Jews, but they spoke Greek. And so they began a church on one of his missionary journeys. And um, 10 years later, Paul is in prison and he's chained to a guard around the clock. And yet he's able to write this upbeat letter that though he was locked down, he was looking up and uh, understanding uh, God working in his life and finding peace in that. And so he begins, uh, begins working with the church about different problems that they've had to work through. And in chapter four, he says, you've got two people that are really upset with one another. And I want the whole church to be involved in helping there to be wholeness. You know, over the years uh, here at the church, I've been here five years uh, over those years, um, we've had to walk through some, some challenging times, um, maybe kind of wrestling through some decisions that had to be made regarding everything from church bulletin to um, staff changes, changes in our policies, even changes in our seating arrangements at church during COVID. Um, and, and so uh, some of that has brought uh, some conflict. It's brought some sharp disagreements on how something was done or how the decision was made. And it hasn't always been easy uh, to walk through those things. Maybe you've come out of a church where there was a lot of conflict and they didn't deal with conflict well and there were hard feelings and there, there was toxic uh, attitudes and maybe it drove you from church. Or maybe you're somebody who's new to faith and you say, wow, that's, that's why I don't want to go to church. I, I, I want to avoid all of that. But the way we look at it, we look at it that um, you put human beings in the same room. It's not if there'll be conflict, it's when the, there will be conflict. Uh, 
But it's what's important is how we handle conflict. And the important optimum word is handling conflict. And so now you add COVID on top of that, this pandemic that we're now in our second year, and you, you see that there can be a lot of stresses and pulls, not just on church relationships, but relationships in, in, uh, in the family or at work or in school or between individuals or friendships. And so knowing how to, to deal with that is so, so important. And so through thick and thin, through up and down, through mountain and valley, we as believers find that we're unified in our love for Jesus. We may have plenty of things that we may not see eye to eye about outside of that, but that's just life. What unifies us, what keeps us together, is this beautiful love that Jesus has for the church and that we have for him, and that we love Jesus and we love the gospel, and we find ourselves that we seek to live these authentic, though imperfect, lives as his followers. And so today in Philippians chapter 4, Paul is urging the church to walk in humility and with grace in order to function as a healthy family, a spiritual family, in all that we do and how we act. And he urged them to, to look up this way, though they were in conflict this way, uh, because looking up is what would help us get through that. So in the first part of the text, uh, these, these two members of the church, they've disagreed uh, to the point of, of where people end up taking sides. And so the Bible says there in chapter 4 of Philippians, beginning with verse 2, Now I appeal to you, Odia and Suntiki, Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, that's the church, I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Wow, uh, that is really great advice. And I think I know why this, ver this verse was so important to Paul. Um, he was 800 miles away at the time. Um, but I think Paul considered himself a work in progress. Uh, we, we see that... Um, in the last chapter, in chapter 3, where he talks about things in his life that he's not real proud of and, and that he was pressing forward in his life. And, and he just had stuff. Uh, he had baggage that he carried around with him that he was trying to focus and look forward and not behind. And then there's another example in, in Acts chapter 15. Uh, that's another book in the New Testament really kind of chronicling the early church and he had a partner named Barnabas, and they were a great team together, but they had a falling out. Um, in fact, it was a falling out so sharp that they separated from working together. And uh, basically, um, it, was, it was just basically a disagreement about somebody. 
Um, and basically, Barnabas was wanting to take a guy named John Mark uh, on the trip with him, but they had taken John Mark on their first missionary trip and he quit halfway through. And so Paul said, no, I, I, I don't want to do that again. But Barnabas was this mentor. You know, he, he saw the potential. And so he, he said, no, no, there's potential in Mark and let's build into his life. And so it was such a sharp disagreement that they, they just, they separated. And it's interesting that... Uh, if you had to say who was at fault in the argument, it was, well, they both could have handled it better, right? But basically, I would say in the heat of the moment, and we've all been in the heat of the moment, I, I think it would be the Apostle Paul could drop his head and say, you know, I, I think maybe I was wrong, you know? I think maybe I didn't give him another chance. And, but Barnabas saw this potential, and good thing that he did because later on, the Apostle Paul said, wow, bring Mark. He is so helpful to me in the ministry. In fact, Mark went on to write one of the Gospels, um, the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wrote Mark. And so a great lesson on not uh, writing off people who disappoint us. There are examples of people falling out with each other. In the Old Testament, there was Abraham and his uh, nephew Lot. <clears throat> there was Paul and Barnabas. There were these two women that had a falling out in Philippians 4. And you know what they all had in common? They had all worked together at one point. They had all gotten along at one point. They had been partners at one point. They had helped each other out at one point. And so from our personal experiences, and the scripture I think is clear to us, that church family doesn't always percolate together. And as Jesus followers, how do we handle that when that happens? All right, so it begins with Jesus, all right? Jesus taught about this in the book of Matthew. And in Matthew 18, he teaches, if another believer sins against you, uh, you go privately and point out the offense. That is, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Don't duck it. Don't sweep it under the carpet. Um, deal with it. If the other person listens and confesses, well, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, well, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And then he says in verse 17, if the person still refuses to listen, then take your case to the church. And then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, then treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. And in our jargon today, treat that person as somebody who doesn't want to make things right with their fellow man. Treat them as somebody who is an angry person and doesn't want to deal with it. And sometimes we have to do that. So Paul does an excellent thing here. He invites the whole church into the healing process. And so he, he, he says, hey, listen, I, I'm asking you, and he calls them true companions. Help these women. They've labored side by side with me and with you. And, and it's not right to just stand by and let them be in disagreement. Help them. You know, Paul puts himself in the same boat. 
we are partners, we're co-workers. Let's work this thing out. We're a team, we're family. And it takes all of us to work through conflict in life. The church was instructed to help, to be involved, not to take sides, rather help end the conflict between two good people who were in disagreement. And he said, let's do that by focusing on the eternal values, not the temporary stuff that goes on around us. You see, the gospel, that is the good news, the story of Jesus, uh, of his going to the cross and dying and resurrecting and being able to um, pay our sin debt. Uh, love wins when Jesus resurrected. And this is where our unity lies. It lies in the fact of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and that love wins and that we have to work at it. It's that important because that is what matters in life and the life to come. It's the gospel that unites us. It's heaven that unites us. He says back in Philippians 4 a little bit earlier, he says, hey, your names are in the book of life. That is a real book. We, we believe that people who follow Christ, that yeah, their names are written in this spiritual eternal book somewhere. Uh, I think that's interesting. And so we're told everyone, we're, we're to see to being considerate in all that we do. Don't we see that on social media? Don't we see that on the news? Don't we hear that when people get mad at each other, there's a lack of being considerate. People are inconsiderate today. And God is reminding us, you know, there's a higher purpose and cause in this world. There's far more things for us to focus on that unite us. That's even more important than the things that divide us. So Jesus gives us perspective. And boy, perspective is so important. Um, Carol and I have a grandson who's now 11, but when he was three and a half, Grayson was diagnosed with leukemia. And suddenly, when he was diagnosed, things around us took on either a, a higher priority of time and attention, uh, perhaps even urgency, and some things, frankly, took on a lower priority or even just dropped off the map altogether in our lives. I'll never forget the phone call of our son Nathan and his dear wife Lauren calling us to tell us they were on their way to the hospital. He had been Grayson had been diagnosed with, uh, with leukemia. And I'll tell you, life changed as we knew it and our priorities shifted right? This big event. And so it is with the followers of Jesus. There's this life event that happens when we give our life to Christ, when we, when we make the decision to follow him and his teachings. There's life change that happens when you follow Jesus. And loving people and focusing on the gospel is what is really important. That is much bigger than who we are. That's much bigger than the problems that we, that we find ourselves ensnared in this life. And sometimes we just need perspective, that there's, there's things that are bigger and more important than maybe the, the problems that we're trying to be upset about or work through. 
And so we find ourselves looking for the coming of Jesus one day. It's true. Uh, The Bible teaches this. Jesus himself taught this, that he would return one day. And that looking forward to that day and building toward that day and living toward that day gives us a new perspective of what's really important in life. The right perspective in relationships and with our family and in our marriages and at work and at school, in the neighborhood. This idea of of getting stuff in life and having more stuff, all these things take on a new perspective when we realize that our joy and our focus as followers of Jesus is on Jesus. And Paul knew that firsthand. So in light of that, he gives us really just very quickly three pieces of advice. He says, first of all, pray with thanksgiving. You find yourself in a situation where you're at odds with somebody or you're in a situation that's just really tough and you just want to you just want to bury your head and, and, and just kind of let the problems overtake us. He says, don't do that. He said, the first thing you do is that you pray. He says this in Philippians 4. And he says down in verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard, I love that word, guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ, as you make him the priority, as you live by his teachings, as you seek to imitate him, as you seek to be that way with other people. That's what he's saying there. Isn't that interesting? So, He says, we're supposed to pray about these things when this kind of conflict and at odds, people are inconsiderate with us. That's what we're supposed to do. We use this verse about prayer in general, and we should, but the direct context is really praying for those that we're in conflict with. Isn't that interesting? Wow. When we pray for someone and genuinely give thanks then peace can begin in our hearts towards others, all right? Even if they're at blame. You've been hurt or cheated by somebody. Um, It doesn't mean you got to go on vacation with them. It doesn't mean you sweep it under the carpet, but it does mean you can put that person into God's hands and that you can make yourself uh, humbled and considerate and you can pray for them. You can put them in God's hands. That is so important. And so this, uh, the, the earthly finite priorities uh, that overtake us many times, they can shift as, as the infinite priorities of who Jesus is and what his teachings are and the difference they make and letting God work in us toward others. Sometimes that's where the work has to begin, is in us first. And then there's a second thing. God God says, uh, uh, through Paul, he says, all right, pray for that person, pray for them, and being thankful for them. The second thing is focus on the positive and the good things in people. 
or in the person you're in conflict with. Uh, he, he says down in verse 8 there in chapter 4, he says, brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your, your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Wow. When you're upset with your friend or you're upset with your husband or your wife or the kids or somebody at work or at school uh, or maybe with your parents or maybe with a neighbor, in the heat of the moment, uh, it can get rough. We can say things we shouldn't say. We can be inconsiderate. But in the heat of the moment, that heat can be brought down when we pause to think on the good things in somebody's life. You know, very few people are the devil incarnate. Sometimes good people, we just get on opposite sides with one another and we feel pretty strong about it. But the fact is, they do have good things about them. And joy doesn't magically appear in life. It has to be looked for. It's work. It's exercising spiritual and emotional muscles that frankly may need uh, exercising uh, in our life. And that brings us to our last thought from Paul. He says in Philippians 4 and verse 9, he says, practice joy and peace. You know, Paul says to the early church there, he says, hey, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Put into practice. Focus on the procedures, what that literally means. And so we find ourselves sometimes at odds with somebody else within the family uh, maybe somebody we really don't even know all that well and we're tempted to be inconsiderate. We want to respond to the heat that's been thrown on us. And I just want to remind you that, that Paul says we have to practice joy. We have to practice uh, this idea of, of finding uh, peace with Christ. I love a passage of scripture, and we'll close our teaching today with this. But down in, in another book that Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, he very simply says, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, he was in prison again at the time, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, that is, of following Jesus. For you have been called by God Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Uh, make every effort to keep yourselves unified in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope of the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, in all, and living through all. As we think over this last year with COVID, as we journey through the unknown of 2021, I just want to encourage you, let's, let's press on together in humility, asking the Lord to help us to think like he does, 
Help us to act like he does. Help us to make allowance for each other because of our love for Jesus. And um, I just want to encourage you, it will make a difference. It'll make a difference in relationships. It'll make a difference in, in, in how you treat people. It'll make a difference at work, at school. It will make a difference with your neighbors. It will. And I just want to encourage you today that this teaching is from the heart of Jesus to us. To be considerate, to be kind, to be loving, to be able to see the good in somebody, even when the bad is what's really showing up at the moment. And being able to humble ourselves that we're not perfect either. Uh, this is an important thing. And the last, that Jesus, that's who we can agree on. Maybe not church, maybe not how we do things at church, maybe not every decision in your family, but we can have peace in Jesus today. Well, I thank you for being here for our teaching. Thanks for being a part of this today. And I just want to encourage you that as we take this walk of faith, again, it may be new to you, or maybe you've been away from it for a while. Let it wash over you. Just let it wash over you. It's just you and me. It's just us. And I, I hope that this will be a time of, uh, of thoughtfulness, consideration, help. And we want to in any way we can. You can email me very simply, pat at waynefleetbic.com. If I can be of help, answer questions, you want to have a conversation, any of those things, we're here for you. And I hope you have a great day today. Thanks for being a part of Follow Me. Take care.